0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of Encourage, Motivate, Inspire. Today, I have a special guest and a local Finley friend. So I'm super pumped. Her name is Anna. So today, joining us is Anna Ferrero. She is the owner of Anna Ferrero Fitness. She is an ACE certified personal trainer and health coach specializing in orthopedic uh, exercise, thyroid, all sorts of awesome stuff. So, really excited to have her here. And Anna, go ahead and introduce yourself and let's dive in. <laughs> I have to do the Zoom wave. Um... Yes. <laughs> Of course, make your
1: presence known. Yes. Hi. So she said, I'm Anna Ferrero. Um, I recently, um, well, actually, I've been a personal trainer for years now. Um, I've worked at three commercial gyms now. And I recently reopened my personal training business that I run on my own um, in October of last year. So I've been doing that now for about four months. So it's been an exciting time and just kind of exploring what it means to like be a business owner on my own away from uh, the gym setting because the gym is fun, but um, sometimes it can kind of lead you into an area you don't want to be in. So right now, the area that I want to focus on mostly is like orthopedic exercise and um, typically those with uh, poor like thyroid function or even PCOS. I have a lot of clients that have those kind of hindrances that we need to work around for their exercise needs.
0: That's awesome. And yeah, I mean, just kind of like with what you're saying, going from a gym setting to solopreneur, as I like to call it, it, it's totally different. It's one thing (laughs) to like have your clients at the gym and kind of, you know, be under someone. There's a lot you don't have to worry about per se to, all right, now I have to figure out all of the business side of stuff, and not just the stuff that you know, you know and love, which is the personal training and everything like that. So, um, it'll be awesome to have another perspective from that space. You know, all of my community is very familiar that between being an entrepreneurship, it's evergreen, and we'll just see what comes next. But this will be a long-term thing. You know, feeling. Very good about it. And yeah, started, like as you said, in October. So kicking Mm -hmm. off strong. And we were just talking offline, everybody, that January has been insane for both of us. So I think this will bring a lot of unique perspective to today. So, thyroid, who doesn't need to know more and want to know more about it? So, since this is your jam, I'm going to let you just go ahead and tell us a little bit more about your journey with thyroidism and all of the things that you've learned and just, you know, spew your wisdom with us.
1: Absolutely. Um, so it actually has become like a really big part of my life. Um, I believe two years ago now I got diagnosed with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is the autoimmune condition of thyroid, um, of like damaging to your thyroid. And um, that process was like not an easy one to get diagnosed. I spent probably two years before that trying to get some doctors to listen to me because I knew something wasn't quite right with my body. Um, The one thing that kind of pushed me to get things checked out even further was I was on birth control at the time. I went off of it because I felt like crap on it. It made me feel like I was honestly a little bit crazy And so when I went off of it, I lost my period for about six months. I did not get my period back. And I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, that's not normal. That's not natural. And so I started going to doctors, trying to get somebody to like test my hormones because I thought something might be off with those. Um, At the time, there were a lot of other issues going on too. I couldn't lose weight. Um, and if I did, I had to eat like very, very little calories to maintain where I was at because my body just like would not have it. Um, I also had extreme brain fog and fatigue and I was a trainer at the time too. And I remember one time my, a group of my clients came into the gym and they came into my office and they looked at me and they're like, you look really tired. And it was like the middle. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was like the middle of the day and I remember I'm like yeah, like I don't know what it is. I am tired. Like I just I'm exhausted and I don't know why. And it kind of clouded my mind. Like I was still a good trainer. I was still focused on my clients, but I didn't have any like mental capacity to focus on anything outside of work. Um and I was just kind of running myself through workouts trying to get through it. I <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was going to pass out just about every workout that I did. And it wasn't even that I was working out very heavily. It was just that my body wasn't, my body was also not sweating. So I was overheating. I was half sen- I had sensitivities to the cold, when I wasn't working out and super like big sensitivities to heat when I was working out and my body wasn't quite functioning properly. So I had to like stop and go every single time I would go into the gym. Um, And that kind of made me push to talk to some doctors. It took um, three, four doctors, four doctors to actually get me diagnosed. Um, I talked to two. One of them told me uh, to wait it out six months. And then if six months later, I didn't have my period, then they would talk to me because they said that that's normal coming off the pill. Uh, Later I learned through my own research, it's actually not normal. You should be getting your period pretty soon after you come off the pill. Um, but the other doctor that I talked to tested, I finally, I like begged, uh, them to test my hormones and they're like, you know, insurance might not cover this. And I said, <laughs> I don't encourage people to do this, but I said, I don't care. I really need this to, to be tested because I know something is not right. So my lab results came back and they tested like every single hormone they could possibly test. Uh, and I got a call saying that everything was normal. And so I requested to see the, see the lab work. And when I got the actual lab work to look at all of my numbers on all of my hormones uh, were either post menopausal or prepubescent on the charts. And yeah, that's not normal. Oh, no, yes. that's not normal. Uh, not normal at all. And at the time I was like, well, what the heck do I do? And the doctor encouraged me to go back on birth control because I wasn't having kids anytime soon. And he said, we'll just deal with it whenever you want to have kids. And for for the time being, I was exhausted. Uh, We were preparing for a move. Um, It was the end of the year. I was about to switch jobs and everything. So I decided to go back on birth control just for the meantime. And then I, I also have an autoimmune skin condition Called granuloma annulare. And basically, it's just visible inflammation on my my skin. At the time, I didn't know what it was. And I went to a dermatologist once we moved. Um, She did a biopsy and diagnosed that. But since that's an autoimmune, she gave me some packet information that also included some things because causes can be other autoimmune disorders and diseases. And one of them on there was hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. And so i dug into that a little bit more and I started reading and I had literally every symptom you could possibly imagine. Um, every single one, I checked the box and I'm like, okay, this is something that I think that I truly have. So I went back to them, started getting treatments for the bumps on my hands for the granuloma and And. I told her, I was like, I think I have this. And she's like, okay, why do you think you have this? And I told her everything. And she asked me about the weight change because that was one of the biggest things that she sees. Um, and I told her, I was like, I literally cannot lose weight. At one point I gained 30 pounds in three months. It, yes. <laughs> it, <no>. was actually, <laughs> it was actually extremely painful.
0: Yeah. And
1: as a personal trainer, it actually like had um, some like really big, hits to my ego. And also it made me feel extremely self-conscious because when I gained that weight, I did notice people stopped signing up for training. Like the current clients that I have knew that I was good knew what I could do for them. But people that were new that didn't quite know me yet judged me based on that. And it did kind of hit me emotionally. Um, but yeah, I gained the 30 pounds of three months. I do not recommend that for anybody. It was the most painful thing. I could actually feel my skin like pulling. Um, It was hard to walk up the stairs. All of my joints hurt all the time. And she actually, she called in more labs. She did a full thyroid panel so that we could make sure that if it was or wasn't thyroid, we would know. And then we could refer me somewhere else. Well, we get the results back. And my TSH, which is generally what doctors will use to diagnose thyroid issues was slightly out of range. And by slightly, I mean like 0.5. I think it was like a 0.5 out of range. And like, that's nothing on a scale. And she was like, okay, like, I think we should, I think we should refer you over because you have all these symptoms. It's a little bit out of range. Um, It took about four months for me to get into an endocrinologist to get my diagnosis. And within that four months, uh, the TSH and every other thing on that list skyrocketed. Um, so I had to get TSH, T3, T4, free T3, reverse T3. <laughs> um, All the things. And, uh, yes. And <laughs> both, both of the antibodies done to get my diagnosis with hypothyroidism. And while I was there, there are a couple differences between hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's when it comes to, um, symptoms and things like that. And I thought it was important for me to know whether or not I had the autoimmune version. Um, so I asked them to do an ultrasound of my thyroid and I'm glad that I did because if we hadn't, my antibodies were low, so they wouldn't have diagnosed me with the Hashimoto's. And then therefore I wouldn't have been able to get on the medication that I needed to be on or, um, also to like know what to do diet wise, because it is a little bit different when your body is attacking a certain part of you. Um, (laughs) so we did the ultrasound. They looked at it. I'm 25 at the time I was like 23. Uh, they said, Oh, you only have 50% of your thyroid function. Uh, it looks like your body has been attacking it for like 20 years. And I'm like, Okay.
0: Y'all didn't want to listen to me. Thank you very much.
1: No one listened to me. And when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh. Like I've had symptom after symptom basically my entire life. Like I had them all throughout high school, all throughout middle school. I used to have really thick curly hair. Now I have very thin, straight hair. And that's also that's also a symptom. And there were very obvious signs growing up where I did have this condition, but no one around me knew what to look for and doctors weren't looking at it at the time. So I just kind of lived with this condition that made my life honestly very hard um, for 20 plus years. And so once I got diagnosed, I got put on a natural desiccated thyroid. Uh, The first medication I was on was called NP thyroid, which is a generic version of armor thyroid. Uh, now I am on the actual armor thyroid because my body responds to it a little bit better. Even though it's the same medication, uh, your body can respond to different brands differently, which is always really fun. <laughs> always really fun. Everything is go- always
0: different, even though they say it's the same.
1: <laughs> it is, it really is. And it makes a world of difference finding the medication that works best for you. So, in that like long road of being like medically gaslit and like trying to find out how to make my life better and actually like be able to function in daily life without having constant burnout and constant like exhaustion because it was it was kind of excruciating. I, would, I had one point where I had a flare up and I walked probably 500 steps in one day. And that is with having a dog and having to take him up and down the stairs to take wow. him out. And it was just because my body hurt so bad. And going through all of that made me want to help kind of advocate for others and help them realize what is and isn't normal in their bodies and help them kind of have the confidence to push back against when doctors are saying like, oh, like, it's fine. Like, we'll just wait it out because like, I am a firm believer that, you know, your body more than anybody else. And if you know, something is not right you need to push to make sure that you fix that problem. So that's kind of where I ended up with thyroid and everything like that. But now because I've been sharing my story um, on my Instagram mainly um, and with a bunch of like friends and clients as well, like I've gained actually a couple clients that are interested in learning how to train for thyroid and eat a little bit better for thyroid. And it's actually become like a really big part of my training because there are very specific ways that you need to train in order to like protect your body when you do have autoimmune diseases and chronic conditions. So it's been, it's been an interesting road.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Shit. I would say so. I mean, I cannot. Oh, I cannot fathom. And like, I know
1: we never really fully talked about this. No, no. And (laughs) I, I
0: almost feel like we have to like backpedal a second. So friends, I always talk about the power of social media. Mm -hmm. Every day I talk about this and share stories, and it was just one of those serendipitous social media interventions that Anna and I found each other, found out we're both in Finley, (laughs) we don't live very far from each other, Um, very similar lifestyles, Um, when our, well, my fiance's future husband and her husband meet, it's going to be literally hilarious, it's just... Uh There's just so many yeah. things I could get into. And so even better that we're both in the personal training space, nutrition, but, um, you know, Anna, obviously with your story, I feel like there are so many people obviously who go through things like this and feel like mm-hmm. no one's listening. The doctors aren't listening, but it's more so that education side of people don't necessarily recognize what's going on. And you said like listening yeah. to your body, it's huge. Whether Um, it is something that could be autoimmune or something on the inside, or like for me learning to listen to my body with my musculoskeletal disorder. Um, and like you said, like we have to advocate for ourselves. We have to advocate for our health because when it comes to like your typical doctor, right, you have to jump through hoops. You have to go see your, you know, your primary physician first. And they specialize, they, they kind of know a lot, uh, a little about A a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's like
0: you come in for something, they're not sure it's trial and error. And then as soon as whatever that trial and error did not necessarily work, then it's kind of like, Oh, I guess we'll refer you out to a specialist. So I always tell people specialists exist for a reason, just like you wouldn't go to, you know, you were talking about PCOS. You're not going to go to your OBGYN when you break a bone and you really shouldn't be going to your doctor like your primary doctor about OBJYN stuff. So it's one of those things that these specialists exist for a reason, but in order to get that referral or get to that point where maybe yeah. insurance covers it or anything like that. It have to foods, yeah, it is hard. It's not easy. So I feel like, you know, for anyone who's listening, if anything, like permission granted to question things, ask questions, don't just take things at face value ask for the reports, ask for the labs, look at the numbers, do some research. Um, because you know if we just kind of brush things under the rug when people kind of say it is what it is, um, you know, we don't know what we could be doing now to prevent a longer term issue um, and mitigate it now. And I'm kind of in one of those boats right now with a, what we think was an infection that happened at the beginning of this year, totally not COVID related. And tomorrow I'm getting a mammogram done and I'm 27 and this is going to be my third one, which is insane. Um, so now it's kind of like, you know, I saw my doctor for follow-up after finishing the antibiotics. And she basically said, we can do a second round of antibiotics or I can refer you. And I'm like, I don't want to waste time or flood my body with more antibiotics. Like, thank you for the permission. I want to go see someone else. (laughs)
1: Yeah. It's like, once um, you get that, you're like, I'm going to go yeah, like, like, I, so, I need this. yeah, thank you for what I
0: needed, you know, cause it's important that we do recognize the signs and the symptoms and that we take note, you know, like, sure. It's not fun, but it's your health. It's your body. This is the only body you're going to get. You need to tune into this stuff. You need to take care of yourself. So I think, um, that was just a key point. Like you had said, going through all of that, Got you to where you are and is really touching the lives of the people that you touch. And I just, it's so important. It's absolutely Mm -hmm. so important. And one other thing so you were touching on that and all of the different things that you focus on and really kind of building a mini thyroid community within your community.
1: So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's fabulous. It's fabulous. And so, my question to you is you were kind of hinting on how nutrition and training is different. Give us a little bit of a rundown of what training and nutrition looks like in the day to day of someone who is diagnosed with thyroidism.
1: So, I'll start with training because that one's a little bit more I will say a little bit more on the simpler side. It's still not simple, but it is um a little bit easier to explain. Um when it comes to training, it is very very easy to overexhaust yourself. Um and honestly, it's easy to overexhaust yourself like in your everyday life too. Um, there's like a very common, um, what's the word? Like, I think it's a, it's a metaphor. It's called the spoons, a theory, I think, um, I don't fully like, I don't fully follow it, but I do know about it. And it's very close to kind of what I tell my clients. Um, so basically a spoon is like a unit of measurement. You have say 10 spoons in a day, um, If you wake up one day and you're rested fully, you have all 10 spoons. Uh, Doing the dishes might be one spoon. And then going on like a half hour walk might be like two or three spoons. And um, like making dinner might be like two or three spoons. So if you're using those spoons, like you've got now seven spoons that you've used, you only have three left. Like, what are you gonna spend it on? Are you gonna spend it on a shower? Are you going to spend it on, like picking up like the dog toys, because honestly, when it comes to thyroid condition, um, even if it's mental energy that you're spending, you can exhaust yourself. Um, so if you're like forcing yourself to go and like do the laundry and do all of the things that need to be done in your life, uh, it can be very hard to recover from that. So as much as you're exerting yourself, you also need to kind of rein it in and rest just as much. And when you're dealing with the thyroid symptoms and you're not medicated properly, it can be really hard to recover. So you might not have, most nights you might only recover like three or four spoons instead of like six or seven. So you may fully exhaust yourself and then not come back 100% the next day. That's actually the most common that I see with most of my clients. Now I'm properly medicated, so I don't have to worry about it personally quite as much. Um, I do still kind of pay attention to it because if I'm feeling a little bit off, I will kind of change my plan to where it's a little bit more accommodating for me. But when it comes to my clients, a lot of them are like, start started their journey or like right in the middle. And we're still trying to figure out how to get them to a place where they can consistently work on the same schedule and have that work for their bodies. Um, So the same is like true with exercise. So going to the gym itself might be like one spoon. Well, while you're working out, I like to make sure that we're not overexerting during the workout too, because even though it might feel easy initially, like if you're doing like a squat and you're doing body weight squats, but you know, mentally that you can do like a squat with a plate on each side, but it is going to absolutely kill you the next day. It's going to wipe you out so that you're laying on the sofa the whole day it's not worth it to do that because smaller steps each day is better than like one big step. And then like having to take like two or three days off. Yeah, my totally makes sense.
0: I like that principle or however, <laughs> whatever you say, the 10 spoon thing, it totally. Yeah, the makes spoon sense. theory. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: I, I don't know a ton about it, but I know that that's kind of the basic premise of it. And it's pretty common, um, commonly talked about in the thyroid community, but, um, I like don't fully fully adhere to it because it's just, I don't know, it's just not something I've fully picked up on. Um, I've kind of adapted it to myself, but that one's a little bit easier to explain, uh, when it comes to nutrition, uh, usually what I have people at least try, and this is not something that I ever would have done before. Uh, because quite honestly, I thought it was dumb that people would just go gluten free to go gluten free because they thought it was generally healthier because for the general population, going gluten free is not healthier at all than like staying on gluten. Um, it's, it's just, honestly, it's about the same on your body. Um, but for people that have like autoimmune conditions, especially thyroid, it is generally beneficial to go gluten free because a lot of people are gluten sensitive And you start to notice that, um, like when it comes to energy levels. So what I did personally was I tried it out for about, uh, 14 to like 30 days. Um, and I tried to be gluten-free each day in there. Um, I almost immediately noticed a change even when I wasn't fully medicated, um, when I was still trying to figure out the right dosage. Uh, I noticed a like drastic change in my energy levels, my mood, um, my brain fog almost completely went away. So it did help significantly. and at the time I didn't realize it. but because gluten is like, I, I believe its molecular structure is very similar to like the cells in our thyroid. Your body thinks that it is your thyroid, and because your body is attacking your thyroid, it attacks the gluten in your body. So it makes you feel significantly worse. So that's why whenever people, um, that have thyroid conditions have gluten, um, when it is like a Hashimoto's related, generally speaking, they do have like thyroid flare ups. Um, it's actually the term like being glutened. Um, is it like you oh, accidentally, I know, right. Yeah, um, Yeah. So if you like actually, accidentally like eat some gluten or somebody gives you something with gluten like on purpose because they think you're faking it um I wish that wasn't a thing but sometimes it is uh I don't think I've ever had that happen to me uh before I I don't know but I don't think that anyone has done that to me but when it comes to like restaurants um it can depend a lot of gluten can affect you or like a little bit of gluten can affect you and that can vary day to day so It doesn't matter the quantity always like it. It's always kind of changing. You never really know how your body's going to respond. So for me personally, I went completely gluten-free. I'm actually helping a couple of my clients right now go gluten-free just because they are so exhausted that their health just can't take working out until we get that energy level back up. So right now what we're focusing on is getting gluten-free, trying to figure out the dietary like intolerances, because sometimes dairy is also an intolerance with people with thyroid issues. Um, Usually there's some other stuff in there too, but that one's a little bit more uh, widespread than anything else. And if people start to notice like, hey, my gut's not really responding to eating broccoli, then we might take broccoli out for like two weeks, see how you feel with that, and then add it back in to see um, and if there's no change, then we kind of keep that back in the diet. So it's essentially a little bit of an elimination diet just to see like, where yeah, you're at. Say
0: elimination diet is definitely what it sounds like.
1: But it's not like Whole 30 where you're cutting out right. like oh everything, but like specifically <laughs> yeah. and then slowly adding them in because I think that I actually don't like Whole 30 because I think that when you cut all of it's that out,
0: and,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not sustainable. When you cut all of that out and you add it back in, the chance of you having like an adverse reaction to it is pretty high because you haven't had it for so long.
0: That's how people gain that weight back. And then some, you know, it's like, I was just talking to a friend about this today. A lot of programs fail people because they're like, do this for X amount of time. And when you reach this goal, yay but it's like, they don't know what comes after reaching that goal. Like what do they do next? And a lot of people are like, Oh, I reached that goal. I'm going to go back to what I was doing before without thinking about the reason that you started that program to get to that goal is because what you were doing before wasn't worked, but what you did during that period of time, you weren't really enjoying it. Your body wasn't enjoying it and you don't want to keep doing it. So it's kind of like this weird cycle that doesn't end which is where like, you know, from what you're saying and as trainers, it's so important for us to bridge that gap and be like, it's okay that you've tried this, but you need to be more intimate with your body. Like you need to know it more. These programs don't know you, they don't. And so trying something just to see, you know, if the pasta sticks to the wall or whatever you want to say, <laughs> whether it's cheesy, you know, yeah, whatever, but it really is so important to be like, Hey, you know, pay attention and with gluten and dairy for me too, I've noticed a huge difference. I do have a major lactose intolerance, um, when it comes to gluten, I'm not celiac, but I do notice a difference, especially in brain fog and like hormonal acne. Um, huge. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And that's, I think the hardest part to like, just for where I'm at macros and calories wise right now that like, if I wasn't eating gluten, I don't think I would hit my carbs (laughs) because it's so much easier to have like I don't know, like real bread, then like a gluten-free bread and be like, uh, but that's a story for a different day. But with (laughs) what you're saying, for sure, I think it is something that again, like listening to your body, like really what is working for you? What isn't, um, and, you know, trying elimination diets if it's necessary. Like if I didn't do an elimination diet, I would have never realized that bananas make me bloat to the point where I'm six months pregnant and so uncomfortable because who would have known like a banana or you say, right. But it just affects people differently. (laughs) Exactly. It's healthy. It's natural sugar. It's not added sugar. You know, people, there's some people who think fruit is bad, different conversation for a different day. Um, but it's just one of those things that like, yeah, if you're eating something consistently and you're not feeling all that great, well, Mm -hmm. let's take a step back. Let's analyze it a little deeper. And like you said, with people who suffer from thyroidism, it's, you, you really do have to pay attention to these things, even if you feel like you don't.
1: Yes, exactly. Like, um, I work with one client right now where her like main goal, like we are solely focusing on, um, diet right now, diet and a little bit of like how she lives like her lifestyle. And like, I actually just posted this to my Instagram, but she just hit like five days gluten-free each week. So we're like very slowly taking it up because I don't, like to have anybody uh any of my clients make uh big jumps we make very small changes and then once you kind of acclimate to them then we add another goal on so it's not like you're just making the switch instantly Um, so generally speaking I have people do like little mini um not many whole 30s but many like elimination diet cuts so like we first started, our first goal was like three days gluten-free a week, and they just had to be like consecutive in the week. So that way we could tell a little bit of the difference, see if it worked for her, see if it didn't. And then we kind of started to notice a trend where she did feel better, like the second day that she was gluten-free up until that first day when she had gluten again. So it was kind of like it was exiting her body and she felt a little bit better. Um, she had more energy And that's generally what I see whenever we do that with uh, my like um, Hashimoto's clients, but um, she's actually just moved up to five days a week. And this has been over the span of like two months, maybe a three, two and a half, maybe three months at this point. Um, We just made it to five days a week because it's important that you find foods that you like that are good substitutes because that's what took me the longest in going completely gluten-free. I attempted to be gluten-free for a year before I actually did it. Um, We just rounded my year anniversary on the fourth. So um, like I've been gluten-free since January 4th of last year, but it took me a really long time to get to that point because I was convinced that gluten-free food sucked compared to regular food. And that is just because I didn't know what was out there and I wasn't trying what was out there because I was also in the mindset of like, oh my gosh, I've got to lose all these 30 pounds like right now. And I had to get myself out of that mindset too and just like be okay with where I was at and be like, this is what I need to do now. And then I can focus on that later once I have this in place. And because I've kind of switched over, um, I work with the coach myself too, but um, I've lost about. 14 pounds of the 30 that I gained. Um, I will admit I was very, very skinny when I gained the 30 pounds, but, um, it was still like a healthy weight for my body, but it was like me trying to prepare for, uh, potential like bikini competition, uh, which wasn't sustainable for me at the time because I wasn't medicated. Um, but now that everything's kind of getting in line again, that might potentially be a goal for my body. I don't know. We'll just kind of figure that out as we go. That would
0: be cool to get competing. That's like a totally
1: different, (laughs) obviously different thing for
0: the body, but you know, mindset wise too. So
1: yes. And it's important to be healthy during that stuff. So like going very slow, trying to figure out everything beforehand is super, super important. I, I would not encourage anybody to do that if they didn't have their health in check. Before they were making that a priority, because if you don't, you can mess up so many things like it is, it can be very bad for your body if you're not in that right space for it.
0: Absolutely. Well, and that's kind of a cool goal too. Is that, you know, segment for a second, is that something you've kind of always wanted to do or have in the back of your mind?
1: So, um, when I, well, I've been in fitness probably nine years at this point. Um, I played golf in middle school, high school and college. And um like I I got into working out when I was like maybe a sophomore in college. I absolutely hated it before that. <laughs> uh oh, golfers yeah. don't don't like working out too much initially. Some of them at
0: the same time, yeah. Some
1: of them do, but I I like a lot of walking. Um <laughs> but um I got into it like a sophomore at college. And so I've been in that industry for a while, but uh I believe four years ago is kind of when I was starting to become interested in like the bodybuilding world of things, instead of just being like incredibly small, because I mean, your whole life, like you see, that's the way that you're supposed to be. And it's not, it's not the way that you're supposed to be. So when I've kind of found that community where people were like, oh, it's really cool to put on muscle. Like I thought I was like, okay, like, that's really interesting. And so it has been kind of an interesting, um, like, what is the word? Niche, niche for, for fitness, but I wouldn't encourage it for everybody.
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely not for everybody. And you know, <laughs> I have lots of friends who bodybuild and lots of friends who've competed. And, you know, obviously all these coaches I'm getting to know from, You know, my NASM community, my NCI community, everything like that, you know, a lot of people get into coaching from being coached doing bodybuilding or bikini and stuff like that. And it's, yeah, it's a totally, totally different world and, you know, not always sustainable. Well, not, I shouldn't even say not always. It's just not. So Mm -hmm. you put your body, you know, through these cycles and you're under a lot of stress, like physically too. So not just the mental side. So, you know as exactly like you said it's not for everybody it's not necessarily something that's encouraged but you really do have to get yourself physically and mentally to a point where you can start that journey because again Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen overnight um so just the prep going into that show to then get to the show is totally different but that could definitely be a story for a different day because I don't think
1: (laughs) I don't think a lot of my audience is trying to that's literally like a whole nother animal the woman I work with she she does it in a really like sustainable way like probably the best way that I've seen, but she's also been at it for like 30 years. She's been in that world for 30 years. So she's constantly building muscle and repairing her body. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get into that too much, too much because my, my audience is also not really into bodybuilding either, just gaining muscle in general. So that's kind of how I got into like the muscle building aspect of things. Yeah.
0: I love that. Well, what advice do you have for someone who is in their health journey and whether they have been diagnosed or not, just what are some of your best tips that you can leave everybody
1: with today? So my first and like biggest tip is if you know, something is wrong with your body and you keep being told, no, you're fine. You are not crazy. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, you can't, you can start to think that you're crazy at a certain point because you're like. Something's wrong with me. And then everyone around you is like, well, the doctors are saying that nothing's wrong with you. Um, you're not crazy. You know your body, and you just need to keep pushing a little bit longer because, especially with thyroid, a lot of women don't even get diagnosed until they're in their 30s. And I say women because, generally speaking, women are like four to 10 times more likely to have thyroid issues than men. Men still have those issues, uh, but usually it's not as common. And you can be pushed off. It usually takes an average of five years to get diagnosed. It takes, I think, an average of five to six doctors. I think off the top of my head, I don't have that number in front of me right now, but five to six doctors, about five years to get diagnosed. You just have to keep pushing and find the right doctor because not all of them will listen to you, but all you need is one to listen to you. So that's the biggest tip that I have. Uh, the second one would be to not overexert yourself. If you know, you have a certain amount of energy for the day, think about all that you want to do during the day and then prioritize it. If you know that you really do want to work out a little bit, plan out like a 15 minute workout. If you don't have a lot of energy, do something small, see how you feel the next day. And then maybe the next day you have a little bit more energy. So you can do like a 30 minute workout. Um, just take it as it comes. Because if you're not medicated and you're trying to get through that, trying to get to the correct medication, it can feel a lot like very overwhelming. Um, So just make sure that you are using your time in a way that makes you feel good, because when you can't do a lot, it can make you feel pretty bad. So that would be my second biggest tip. And then the third one would be um, quite honestly, if you don't know where to go. check with like, honestly, a nurse practitioner, they have been the most kind and supportive people, uh, that I have ever met. Generally the nurse practitioners are kind of the gateway to the specialists. I don't know about your case, but definitely. Yeah. (laughs) They serve a good purpose. (laughs) Yes. Generally the nurse practitioners are nicer, will listen longer and, um, like we'll refer you a little bit like easier. Um, A lot of my friends, family, clients, and myself have all gotten referrals from nurse practitioners, not doctors. So that's just an experience thing. I'm not saying that doctors won't refer you, but uh, they just haven't in my experience. So those are like my three things. No,
0: those are all really great things to leave people with because yeah, Just everybody, if you take anything away from this, advocate for your health all day, every day, listen to your body, you know, you better than anyone else and no one can feel what you're feeling. So just trying to figure out how to explain that is hard enough, but trying to suppress that and feel and push it off as if it's not significant is not the way to go. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Well, let everyone know where they can find you. (laughs) Where are you on social media? Where, where should everyone go?
1: So do you mind if I show my business card? Oh my my
0: God, go for it girl.
1: So this is my logo. My name is Anna Ferrero fitness on Instagram. I also have a website, uh, and a phone number. I don't know the phone number off the top of my head. So I 5672502578 uh okay. you can text or call me if you honestly have any questions about any of this because yeah. it can be overwhelming i am glad to help anybody kind of get through that so that's perfect anything.
0: yeah i love it well thank you for hopping on here and spending some time with me and everyone look out for this episode it will be dropping here soon and for those who are listening live or catching the recording be sure to go check anna out um, and until next time, see ya.